Amen. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, team. And wonderful to be able to remember the day that the Lord saved you. And that is great. But whether you remember that day or not, what's the most important thing is that you know that the Lord has saved you and your trust and confidence is in him. And he is faithful. Thank you so much, team. Now let's open God's word and let's continue to worship as we think about the faithfulness of our God and his provision. We're going to look to the gospel of John chapter 12. John chapter 12, if you turn there, if you're using the Bible that's provided for you, you can look at page 899 on that copy of God's word. John chapter 12. Some of you know, been away for a couple of Sundays and uh, certainly grateful for uh, Joe's message last week and Al Cage's message the week before. Appreciate their faithful teaching of God's word. Uh, a group of 28 of us were on a trip to Greece. Uh, we had the privilege of sort of retracing the journeys of Paul. And it was a wonderful experience. I guess really the highlight of the experience though was being in Athens for some time with our missionary partners there, the Romeos, and just amazing to see what God is doing and uh, some of the fruit uh, of uh, what we, along with many, many others, have been able to be involved with. So we bring you greetings from them, and we're grateful for that partnership. However, you know, when you are out of country, if you've done that uh, before, you feel like you are kind of out of touch as well, Right? You get away from what's going on in the States and you come back and you find out lots taking place. It just surprised you uh, while you were gone. That happened to me. Uh, I returned this week and I was reading and I was amazed to come to realize that tens of thousands, tens of thousands of farmers across the country have completely lost their minds absolutely have gone insane. I, I read that, yes, these farmers are taking precious, expensive seed, and right now, they're burying it in the dirt. Can you believe that? Isn't that the most ridiculous thing you ever heard in your life? What is happening? And you might be saying, Sam, you're still jet lagged. Okay, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not insanity. No, what is it? That's, that's farming. That's what farmers do. They plant seed. Yes, expensive seed. They plant it looking for the harvest to come. That's farming and it's also expression of faith. Faith acts upon what does not yet exist. Faith acts upon what can be and will be by the blessing of the Lord, even though we do not yet see it. Now, we've ex expressed that in some ways uh, this morning through the offering. We, we've given, given to something that does not yet exist. We're giving to a manual church. We're, we're taking resources and, and we are planting those resources. 
We're, we're planting seeds. That's the reason we call the offering that. We're planting seeds. But you know what? That, that's not insanity. That's faith. And that is great, great investment, isn't it? What God is going to bring. But faith is not just about money. Faith is also about our lives. And Jesus understood this. And Jesus showed us and shared with us the greatest wisdom when he shared and showed with us about planting seeds of life. Planting seeds of life for the harvest to come. I want us to look at this in John chapter 12. If you turn there, John chapter 12 and verse 20, let's read Verse 33, as we think about what it means to plant seeds of life. The Bible says, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Now let's make sure we understand the scene. This takes place just at the close of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He is coming for the feast of Passover, but he knows he is coming to the cross. And he is coming, yes, to a victory in his resurrection. But as he is coming, the scene is one of people throwing down palm branches. They are throwing down clothing. They are singing praises to God. They are welcoming the king of Israel, singing Hosanna to he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
blessing to the son of David. And in the midst of all of that, there's a request made. The Bible tells us that two or three, at least two, maybe more, Greeks, Gentiles, maybe from the area of Greece, they've come to see Jesus. Now it's interesting, all of this is tied together with what the Pharisees, the enemies of Jesus said when they saw the crowds around him. Did you notice verse 19? Verse 19, so the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. And Jesus' response to the request by these Greeks to see him has to do with that whole scene. The crowd welcoming him as Messiah. His, his enemies saying the whole world has gone after him and some Greeks from far off lands desiring to see him. Now, let's consider Jesus' response. I want you to consider, what did Jesus see? What was it that Jesus saw? We're, we're, it's interesting, isn't it? We're never told whether Jesus talked to these Greeks. We're never told whether he granted them an audience. Perhaps he did, and it took place later. But it is clear that when Jesus saw these Greeks, when he saw them, it prompted him to speak about some things. Notice what immediately he began to talk about. When he saw these Greeks desiring to see him, he talked about his hour. Did you see that? His hour had arrived. It was now time for him to be glorified. He, he, he spoke of a seed. He spoke of dying. He spoke of bearing much fruit. So what did, what did Jesus see? He, he, it's very clear. He saw in these Greeks the much fruit. The Greeks represented the much fruit. They represented the harvest. He talks about seeds and much fruit. He sees the harvest represented in these Greeks that are coming. He sees his mission, what his mission is all about. Now that's what Jesus saw. He saw in these Greeks and in the people of Israel gathered around him, his mission. But now I want you to notice what did he say? What did he say when he saw the crowds and he saw these Greeks? Notice what he said. He, he spoke about seed. Verse 24, look at that. He spoke about seed. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much Fruit. Now, Jesus is talking about himself. 
He, he is comparing to himself to a seed. He says he is like a seed. Death of the seed brings new life and multiplication. He, he's talking about his passion. He's talking about his own death, his burial, and his coming resurrection and the fruit that's going to come from all that. That is what Jesus is speaking about when he's talking about a seed that's going to be planted in the earth and die and bring forth fruit. He's talking about himself. But now notice... These just weren't easy words for Jesus because he struggled over it. Jesus struggled. Look at verse 27. It says, now, Jesus said, now is my soul troubled. The idea here is to shudder. Jesus saw these Greeks, he saw his mission. He knew what was required for this harvest and that he must fall to the earth and die and he shuddered at it. But notice, even though Jesus struggled, he surrendered. He surrendered what a beautiful statement. Verse 27, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The shadow of the cross was already upon him. The terrors of Gethsemane were in his heart. He was shaking and shuddering as he thought about his life and what it would mean to give his life on the cross. He shuddered, but thank God he surrendered. He surrendered. And, and you know, in the midst of the struggle... Jesus also spoke about a satisfaction that was in his heart. There was a struggle and there was surrender, but there was also a deep satisfaction as he looked ahead. And Bible says he said this in verse 32. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. He was going to be lifted up, lifted up on the cross. And he said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. You see, friends, he saw the peoples of the world. Jesus was looking ahead beyond this moment, beyond the terror of the cross, beyond the agony, and he saw the nations of the earth being drawn to him. And friends, just make it personal this morning. He saw you, right? He saw me. That by his death, like a seed, life would come to the world. And Jesus found joy in that. 
You know, one of the most amazing verses in the Bible to me has always been Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. This is what it says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the completer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He despised the shame. And now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What was it that Jesus saw? Joy. For the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? It was the joy of bringing redemption to mankind. It was the joy of his father being glorified. It was the joy of countless hundreds of millions, maybe billions of people being restored as image bearers of God and enjoying fellowship with him forever and ever. Jesus saw that and it was joy to his heart. And so he endured the cross. Now Jesus was speaking about himself, but now listen carefully. He was not just speaking for himself. Because he's speaking to you and he's speaking to me. It's very, very clear. He's speaking to us about our lives. And planting our lives. What does Jesus want us to see? What is it? We we know what he saw. What does he want us to see? What he wants us to see is this. Our life is a seed. Your life is a seed. And your life can be wasted. Or your life can be invested. But the life that you have is a seed. It can be wasted or it can be invested. Look at how Jesus connected to us. Verse 24, the hour is come for the son of man to be glorified. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now notice the connection, whoever. That's us. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He is talking about us as seeds. Yes, he is the seed which brings the harvest of salvation, but he's also talking about our lives as seeds. We have the potential in our lives to bear much fruit. We have that potential. Our lives can bear much fruit or our lives can be wasted. So the question, how is it that a person wastes his life or her life? How do we waste our lives? Notice verse 25. Jesus is very clear. And it may amaze you. He says, he who loves his life loses it. 
It's the one who loves his life that loses it. What is he talking about here? Look at the context. He's talking about a seed that must be released. A seed that must be planted if it's going to produce fruit. That's the context. He says, if you love your life, that is, you love it so much that you're going to grasp it. You're going to control it. You're going to withhold it. You're going to have it as your own precious entity. And you will not let it go. You will lose your life. It it will not mean anything. It may look like a life that has meaning. You may accomplish stuff on this earth. You, you may seem to have the things that other people have. But when the final measurement is taken, it will be a life that is wasted because it's been a life withheld from the process of the harvest. But our lives can be invested What's required to invest your life? Well, Jesus tells us whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, that's strange. Whoever hates his life is going to keep it for eternal life? I mean, what is this? Some kind of messianic masochism? What is this? You've got to hate yourself. You've got to despise yourself. What, What is Jesus talking about? Well, look at it in what he is saying. He is saying it means dying to self. A seed has got to fall to the earth and die. Do you see that? It's got to die. And then Jesus says in the very next verse, verse number 26, if anyone serves me, if anyone follows me, that's what it means to hate your life. It means to let go of your life, to follow Jesus, to serve him, to take up your cross and follow him as a disciple. That is what it means to invest your life. That is what he's talking about. Now, what's the result of that? What is the result of someone who is willing to let go of his life, plant his seed or her seed, follow Jesus, serve Jesus? What's the result? You know what the result is? Real life. Real life, the life that is really life. He, he talks about the real, real life of producing fruit. It's the seed that's planted that does what? Produces much fruit. Produces much fruit. That's the result. A life that has eternal dividends. It, it's a life of the presence of Jesus. You know what the greatest privilege of following Jesus is? Do you know what the greatest privilege of following Jesus is? It's that it's Jesus you get to follow. It's not what comes to you on the way of following Jesus. It's Jesus himself that's the privilege. It's the treasure. He's the treasure. It's the life with Christ that's the reward. And it brings what? 
production of fruit, the presence of Jesus, and it brings the praise of the Father. Jesus said, verse number 26, if anyone serves me, the Father will what? Honor him. Now read that carefully. Does it say, if anyone serves me, the world will honor him? Says the Father will honor him. Folks, to follow Jesus means this. You've got to choose the smile of the heavenly Father over the smile of the world. Because a frown down here from the world's perspective means a smile from the heavenly perspective. That's what Jesus wants us to see. He wants us to see our lives as seeds that can be wasted or invested. But a life that is surrendered to him is real life of fruitfulness, a real life of the presence of Jesus, a real life of the of the praise from the Father. And now, what does Jesus want us to say? That's what he wants us to see. What does he want us to say? Well, it's very simple. He wants us to say the same thing he said. What shall I say? Father, deliver me from this hour? No. For this reason I came into this world. Father, glorify your name. What did Jesus say? He said yes to the Father. He said yes. What does Jesus want us to say? He wants us to say yes. Yes, my life is a seed. Yes, my life has great potential. Yes, I believe that following Jesus is worth it. And yes, I believe that I have his presence. And yes, I believe that there will be fruit and there will be the praise of the Lord. I believe this and I say yes. Why do we say yes? Because he's worth it. Jesus believed his father and his father's will was worth it. Do we believe Jesus is worth it? Will we say yes? Every day. How do we say yes? Well, it's just every day, releasing whatever it is we selfishly grasp and say, yes, Lord. Jesus did not want to go this way. Four, four nights from this, he would beg and plead, is there another way? He shuddered in his heart. He did not want this. But you know, you can serve God and be faithful and be fruitful and not 
enjoy everything it brings. But you know the heart of God that he's good. And you know that his plans are perfect and you know he is worth it. As a church, we're planting. Seeds. Those seeds are not just coins or bills or checks. And they are people, friends, loved ones, family. We're planting. Jesus is worth it, right? And we're planting two very precious seeds. Two very precious seeds that have already borne fruit in our midst, Jared and Derek. And this morning, I thought it would be good if we just let Jared and Derek come and, and share with us as we come to the close of our service. And then here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a time and opportunity to just bless them, pray over them. Later on this summer, we'll pray for the whole team, their families. But this morning, just to hear from uh, Jared and Derek about what's on their heart, and then we want to bless them and release them as precious seeds. Jared, thank you come. Thank you, Sam, and good morning, West Park. As I've considered the, this season of transition and this season of planting, especially over the last few days, my, my thoughts have gone to um, Paul's words to the Philippians in Philippians chapter one. If you're familiar with Paul's relationship, this is a church that Paul is deeply thankful for. In fact, he says, every time I think about you, my heart is filled with thanksgiving. And I share Paul's heart, but I share it for West Park. I am filled with thanksgiving. My family is filled with thanksgiving at every thought of West Park. It was here that I grew up, that I came to understand the gospel, that I surrendered my life to Christ, that I began to feel led towards pastoral ministry. It was here that I cut my teeth in ministry, thrown into the deep end of middle school ministry. It was here, right here, that I preached my first sermon probably a few minutes too long. It was here that I met my wife and married. It was here that we had our children, adopted children. It was here that we've been sustained through the joys of life and the deepest, deepest valleys of life. And as we were singing this song, I thought, you know, God has been faithful. And so much of his faithfulness in my life has been shown through this church. So, Thank you. But as I also think about Philippians chapter one, I'm reminded that Paul's greatest joy in the Philippian believers was this fact, that they were partners in the gospel. Paul said, you have been gospel teammates from the very first day. Gospel teammates. Now, with West Park and Emmanuel, we're in our very first days of this gospel partnership but I can already tell you on the Emmanuel side that 
our hearts are filled with thanksgiving for all the love and support and encouragement, the great generosity that you have already shown. Even before Emmanuel has ever been launched, you have been faithful gospel partners. You've been partners in prayer. We've mentioned several times how many hundreds of you have signed up. You haven't said you're going, but you said, I will pray for you. You have been faithful to encourage from hallway conversations where we've been stopped and you've just said, hey, we're, we're, we're believing great things for Emmanuel to a church-wide affirmation. We have been encouraged and supported. To times like today, you've been partners in generosity. You've done so cheerfully. A few months ago at a family gathering, um, my little nephew, who's four years old, Jackson, came running up to me and he was jumping up and down, pointing both fingers at me saying, I'm going to give you money. And I thought, oh, that's cute. And he jumped up and down and said again, no, I'm really going to give you money for the church. He was excited. He was taking cheerful giving to the next level. You know, that's really been the spirit. There's been an excitement, not a... Um, begrudging way towards giving, not a compulsion, but a a real excitement to give. And the fact that you're willing to, as a church and a pastoral team, set aside members of the pastoral team, that you're willing to give West Park resources, to send West Park folks, we are so very, very thankful. Uh, Not long ago, I ran into a a friend who is on staff in another church here in town, and we're talking about um, West Park's plan for planting. And and I was telling him about all the love and support and the generosity that had come from the pastors and the staff and the congregation. And and he was genuinely surprised. He said, wow, that, that is just not the way churches are planted. He said, most churches split and then call it a plant. I said, no, genuinely, there is, a, there is a partnership in the gospel. And that's the way it should be. We are teammates in the gospel. But another thing I've thought about as I've thought about Philippians chapter one is just the kind of partners we want to be at Emmanuel. Even before we launch, what, what kind of church do we imagine? What's the vision for Emmanuel Church? And that's been a question that's, that several folks have asked us. And the truth is we all have a vision of the church we'd like to attend in our head, Right? My kids have a vision of the church they would like to attend. They have a vision for Emmanuel. They said, maybe it could be just like West Park with maybe an even bigger playground. (laughs) So, well, probably not. The truth is that my kids don't get to determine the vision. Not even myself or Derek get to determine the the real vision for Emmanuel. That comes from the Lord. It's his church. And our desire more than anything We don't desire to be cute or super innovative or spectacular. Our heart's desire is to be faithful to the gospel. I say, well, what does that mean? Well, we wanna be faithful to Jesus above all else, to preach him, to glorify him, to exalt him, to love him with all of our hearts. We wanna be faithful to each other, to the church, to be a body that loves one another, a family that loves one another, that serves together. We wanna be faithful to the mission, to make disciples, new disciples, to see new folks baptized. And again, you might say, well, that seems kind of simple, not so spectacular. Well, the truth is God has not 
necessarily called us to be spectacular. He's called us to be faithful. And when we're faithful to his gospel, spectacular things happen, supernatural, spirit-empowered things. Lives are changed forever. That's what we want to be. That's the kind of partner with West Park that we envision Emmanuel to be. We're excited to see what that becomes. What does the future hold for this gospel partnership? What will Emmanuel continue to learn from West Park? And what will West Park learn from Emmanuel? How will we partner together to reach our city? Will we be able to partner together to plant more churches, both near and far? Wonderful opportunities for this gospel partnership. I want to just draw your attention as my part comes to a close, just to how Paul ends Philippians chapter one. And it's his desire for the Philippian believers, but I want it to be for us, both Emmanuel, those who will go, and for West Park, those who will stay. He says this, may your lives, both West Park and Emmanuel members, may your lives, and I'll add your churches, be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And what a prayer for both of us. May we stand firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's our gospel goal. So thank you, West Park. We're looking forward to beginning this new partnership. And Derek's gonna come. He's gonna share some personal words with you as well as um, an update of what's next, what's upcoming for Emmanuel. Good morning, West Park. Well, it certainly has been an exciting season of anticipation and preparation for us. Uh, I thought back to years ago when I was still in elementary school and my family was getting ready for a big trip the next day. And it was that night before feeling when we're doing the last little bits of laundry, my mom's running around getting the last details sorted out. And I'm sure my sister and I were driving them nuts. So my dad, dad did something he'd never done before. He packed us up and he took us to IHOP late at night. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I mean, who knew you could get pancakes at 10 p.m., right? But I remember that night was just electric with the excitement of anticipation and preparation. And that's how this season has felt for us. There's, there's work to be done. There's details to be sorted out. But on the other side lies this great adventure. And that fuels us. And we're excited for this adventure. We're excited because there's a great destination ahead, right? We're not looking forward to just a beach or a tourist destination. But as Jared shared, we're, we're partnering in the vision that God has for his church and for this world, right? We're, we're partnering in spreading the gospel. We're excited to see the knowledge of God spread throughout Knox County and that we get to be a part of that, to see West Park's reach extended, to see lives changed through that. That has made this adventure so promising and so exciting. And it's exciting because it really has felt like for us uh, a God-ordained, God-orchestrated process. Uh, this has not been some AAA uh, itinerary or map quest printout. It, it really has felt like something that God has pulled together. Um, as we begin to hear story after story from our congregation here about how God was already preparing hearts and minds for church planning, it confirmed to us that God really was blazing this trail. 
And as lights kept going green and details that had to fall into place fell into place, it just kept confirming that God has been leading in this process. And that makes it exciting, right? Because we don't know exactly what will happen. There's still questions out there, still uncertainties, but it's given us great joy and peace knowing that God is leading us. Uh, But perhaps most of all, uh, what's exciting about this adventure is that we get to do it together as a family. And by family, I I mean all all of you. When my family got ready for that trip years ago, part of the excitement was that we got to do it together. I've prepared for trips that I was going to embark on alone, and I can tell you the night before is not nearly as exciting. As exciting. Uh, you know, you're packing, but you're, but you're knowing it's, it's leaving, it's goodbye. The detours and delays are harder because it just means more time alone. And when you finally get to that destination, it's not as fun if you can't share it with those you love. But that's what makes this adventure so great, is that we get to do it together. We get to adventure together. As you pray with us, as you encourage us, you're, you're journeying with us. And you all have been so supportive. And, and not just in this adventure, I do want to just pause and say, not just in this adventure, but for the last 10 years, you all have been such a support to us. We've been so blessed to be here at West Park, to serve here at West Park. Um, our family really has grown up here. Uh, we were driving down Middlebrook the other day, and my daughter was kind of looking out the window thoughtfully, and she turned and said, I'm going to miss West Park. And I said, yeah, me too. Uh, we are so thankful for this place, and um, the students here and the, the families here have treated us like family. The leaders here have shared our joys and carried our burdens. And uh, this isn't in the notes, so let me just... <laughs> but we love you all. And uh, again, I, I don't want to get emotional. My whole point is that we get to go together. That's my point. Uh, so we're, we're excited that it's not a huge goodbye Uh, But we are so thankful for the years we've shared together. You guys have grown us up. The staff here has nurtured us uh, from newbie seminary grads to now gray-headed pastors. And uh, we're just so thankful for your grace and your patience. And uh, and again, we're excited that we get to do this together. Whether you're going or staying, we're in this together. Uh, As Jared said, we're excited about what this partnership looks like, right? We'll be two congregations, but one family. And uh, looking forward to, you know, Sam coming to Emmanuel to share a word and bless us. Looking forward to popping back in to share updates and hang out. Thankful I can grab coffee with anyone here uh, anytime. Glad I can call up Sam or Marty or Doug or Bob or Joe or Jake or Chris or Al and, you know, be encouraged, get good advice. Um, So we're so thankful for that. Um, And and I'm thankful for those who are going to go with us. We're, We're excited to to travel with family, right? And thankful that West Park would share part of its heart with us uh, as we go with this pioneer team. And so we're excited to, to deepen current friendships, make new friendships, and even uh, meet people outside of this body that, that are yet to come to faith. And we're excited for that. So we just wanna again say thank you. And for my family, thank you. It has been such a joy and an honor and a privilege to be here uh, all these years and now to journey together into this next season, this next adventure. 
Um, looking ahead, as Jared mentioned, uh, the, the three big things, and, I, and you've seen these if you are on the prayer newsletter, the big three things right now are uh, location, incorporation, and formation. Uh, location, we're, we're getting pretty close to something, waiting to hear back on a couple things, but hopefully we'll know something very soon. But please be praying that we can land very quickly on an exact address. Um, incorporation, there's just some little legal details you have to do. It's not the main thing, but they do have to be done, and those things are coming together uh, well, and Lord willing, uh, we'll file some of that paperwork uh, Monday, and, uh, you know, it's off to the government, so you know how that works. You can pray for that. Hopefully, it'll be quick and smooth, Um, but the big thing, the biggest thing is the people and the formation of the Pioneer team, Um, and so we've had sign-ups for the preview training. We're starting to get a little sense of uh, who's, who's leaning in, who the Lord may be calling, and if you'll just continue to pray for that, we'd appreciate it. Just praying both for the work done here, who, who's called here and needs to stay here and, and continue uh, expanding the kingdom here, who needs to go and expand the kingdom in this new project. Um, but just pray that there will be wisdom in that and the spirit would lead in that. Um, but again, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We love you all. Uh, thank you for your support. All right, we, we want to pray over uh, uh, Jared and, and Derek in particular as we see them as these precious seeds that we're releasing, right, uh, for this harvest to come. So I'm going to ask us all to stand. I'm going to ask uh, Jared, Derek, if you'd like to come, and we'll have an opportunity in a few weeks to pray over the whole group. But if you've been to come here, stand here, men, if you would. A uh, final time, I get to tell you what to do. Come over here just for a moment. <laughs> And if you serve with them, uh, you're connected staff or you've, you've, you've partnered with them in many ways, come right ahead. I want you to come join, okay? All right, do that. You, and then as we close, uh, want many of you have an opportunity to come by and just bless them. All right, take your time and do that. But you come right ahead. All right. Would you pray with us together? Lord, thank you so much for these two fine men that we have seen tested, proven genuine servants of the Lord with hearts for Christ and for his mission. We esteem them highly in the Lord for their work's sake. Thank you for them, their families. Thank you for the call on their lives as a result of your call upon us as a church. Lord, you tell us that we release, we release to the work those whom you have called. And so, Lord, as we've talked about releasing seeds, Lord, these two precious ones now we bless and we release for their assignment that you've given to them in leading this new church, Emmanuel Church. We pray that your grace will meet every need for your grace is sufficient for every need in every way and in every situation provide for them according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus and thank you Lord that we are in the very heart and soul and spirit of the gospel partners laborers together and we pray blessings on them and and ask that you will fill them with great joy in serving Jesus and all of God's people said, amen.
Uh, many of you, God bless you. You're dismissed. Many of you come by and just encourage these men in the Lord. All right. Thank you for being here. If we can help you in any way, let us know. Okay. God bless you.